Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Consumer Review Report. I'm Diane Rebecca here on WMCK.FM Internet Radio, a service of Tube City Online, Tube City Community Media, Inc., heard Sunday at 4 p.m., Tuesday at noon, and Thursday at 9 a.m. And if you have any ideas of any products or services that you would like to hear on the show, you can get in contact with me at consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. Also, if you have any comments on anything that you hear on the show, any products or services that you really liked or did not like, and you heard it here on the show, you can comment at consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. All right, today on the show, Apple had a big week this week when they made their new product announcements at the Worldwide Developers Conference or otherwise known as WWDC. And so we'll talk about how that impacts the Apple consumer. I am not an Apple consumer. I don't own anything Apple. But, you know, there it, it, there's a dividing line between the PC users and the Mac users or the i i you know, the Apples or the Androids. So uh, so this would be of some interest to the Apple consumer. So we'll hear audio and also from a Wall Street Journal article regarding those announcements. Of course, uh, regarding anything technical, we have to hear from Theo Joe and his perspective on the Apple announcements. So we'll listen to that later in the show. And uh, his uh, audio or his video was titled... Apple's biggest announcements at the WWDC without the boring stuff. <laughs> All right, so I don't know uh, <clears throat> what that's going to tell, but uh, we'll listen to that later. And uh, But first, uh, you may have heard on KDKA this week about hand sanitizers that could be toxic. So we'll go over that KDK article on the FDA recall of those hand sanitizers. Actually, we'll do that right now. Now, again, I'm not going to go through the list of the weekly recalls. They are posted on my Facebook page at Consumer Review Report. So if you're interested in any other article uh, recalls that <clears throat> I don't mention here on the show but I have posted on the Facebook page or you can go to www.recalls.gov recent and that will let you know of any recalls that happen this week but this is pretty important so I thought I would mention this on the show this came from uh, the KDK website TV channel 2 this came out June 22nd FDA warns consumers of nine hand sanitizers that could be toxic. Hand sanitizer has been in high demand as people seek to protect themselves against the coronavirus, but the FDA has a new warning about certain hand sanitizers made in Mexico with a potentially toxic ingredient. 
The agency says consumers should not use any hand sanitizers made by Escbiochem S.A. De, de CV in Mexico because it may contain methanol or wood alcohol, which can be toxic when absorbed into the skin or ingested. The affected products listed by the FDA are All Clean Hand Sanitizer, Esk Biochem Hand Sanitizer, Clean Care No Germ Advanced Hand Sanitizer 75% Alcohol, Lavar 70 Gel Hand Sanitizer, The Good Gel Antibacterial Gel Hand Sanitizer, Clean Care No Germ Advanced Hand Sanitizer 80% Alcohol, Clean Care No Germ Advanced Hand Sanitizer 75% Alcohol, Clean Care No Germ Advanced Hand Sanitizer 80% Alcohol, and also, last but not least, the Sanoderm Advanced Hand Sanitizer. So, uh, you can go to uh, the website pittsburgh.cbslocal.com and uh, try to find that to get the NDC codes to make sure that you do not have the above list of uh, hand sanitizers. Now, this is why they are recalling it. Methanol is not an acceptable ingredient for hand sanitizers and should not be used due to its toxicity toxic effects, the FDA said in a statement. Consumers who have been exposed to hand sanitizer containing methanol should seek immediate treatment, which is critical for potential reversal of toxic effects of methanol poisoning. Methanol exposure can result in nausea, vomiting, permanent damage to the nervous system, and even death, according to the FDA. The FDA said it has told Esk Biochem to remove their hand sanitizer products from the market, but the company has not taken any action. Therefore, FDA recommends consumers stop using these hand sanitizers and dispose of them immediately in appropriate hazardous waste containers, the agency said. So far, there are no reports of injuries linked to those hand sanitizers. The CDC recommends consumers only use alcohol-based hand sanitizers with at least 60% ethanol. All right, so check your cupboards. Make sure you do not have any hand sanitizers that have methanol in them. You learn something new every day, huh? And uh, it's a shame that company has not tried to reverse uh, their mistake if it was a mistake or they just just wanted to use a cheap form of alcohol and uh, make some bucks right all right so now that we got that out of the way let's move on to the uh, apple announcements right so i'm going to play a audio some audio from a video from the wall street journal it's entitled the uh, iOS 14, iPad OS, Mac OS, Big Sur, Watch uh, OS 7. And it's uh, the Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference Recap. So let's go ahead and take a listen. The App Store is the world's largest app marketplace. 
CarPlay will also support third-party navigation apps. Oh, hey, we made it. All right, all right, you get the point. Apple's annual developers conference was a little bit different this year. And by different, I mean there was no live audience, and it was streamed. Yes, my dog was finally able to attend. What wasn't different? Two hours of new software features for your iPhone, iPad, watch, and Mac. I've rounded up the biggest announcements by operating system, marking what I think are the most exciting features, and added some crowd responses, for old time's sake. And also marking the most meh features. Yes, denoted by crickets. First up, iOS 14. The biggest change? You can now decorate and organize your home screen. There's a new feature called App Library, which will group your apps into categories, so you don't have to make your own folders or flip through pages and pages of icons. Your main home screen can now be customized with widgets too, like weather or your calendar. I'm also excited about the new messages features. You can now pin your most important chains and you can reply to specific messages in line. Also great, a new translation tool. What are your store hours? ¿Cuáles son las horas de su tienda? The mass stuff? Well, Siri no longer takes up the whole screen. Sure, that's great, but it's not useful if the assistant isn't any smarter. Sorry, I didn't quite get that. And then there are more ways to customize your memojis, including with a mask. Because, well, because. I have to say, I was super excited about all the watchOS 7 features we heard about today, though I was left expecting some more too. Yes, it's finally getting sleep tracking. Like other wearables, it will show you your periods of sleep and when you wake up. And if you're worried about battery life, well, it will remind you to charge when you wake up. Apple Watch is the first watch to deliver automatic detection when you start washing your hands and sensing of how long you actually wash. Yeah, this is pretty great because counting yourself during hand washing is hard. I can't say I'm psyched about this. Plus, with the global pandemic going on, I was expecting to hear more about some health features. Perhaps that will come with the next watch hardware release. iPod OS didn't get as many features as in years past, but Apple did fix some long-time problems. An incoming call will no longer take over the whole screen. You can also search from anywhere. The Apple Pencil unlocks a whole bunch of new handwriting features. So instead of having to switch between typing and writing, you can now use the scribble feature to write into search fields and more. Yes, things seem to be more easily accessible, but getting around is still confusing in iPadOS. Also, where's the multi-user support for the iPad, Apple? Parents have wanted this for years and not on the Apple TV. And lastly, there is a lot of buzz around the next version of macOS called Big Sur. The operating system is getting a full visual overhaul. The biggest news is that Apple's moving its Macs from Intel processors to its own Apple Silicon. Why are they doing this? When we make bold changes, it's for one simple yet powerful reason. So we can make much better products. Well, specifically it should make battery life better. And yes, there will be other major performance improvements and the ability to run iPhone and iPad apps natively on the Mac. Apple is working with app makers now to start the transition and it will ship the first Mac later this year with the new chips. But Tim Cook also said there would be more Intel Macs coming soon. My reaction to this is both a little and a little. All in all, it was a pretty packed keynote without me having to go to a packed theater to hear the news and listen to a lot of superfluous clapping. 
I'm not sure why we haven't been attending Apple events this way for years. Okay, so that was a little recap on uh, what's going on in the Apple world. Uh, I've got a more in-depth article here uh, from the Wall Street Journal. It was uh, written uh, June. Uh, was posted June twenty third, twenty twenty. Apple drops Intel for in-house chips in major makeover of Mac computers. It was written by Trip Mickle. Apple Inc. is ditching Intel Corporation technology that rejuvenated the Mac computer over the past 15 years in a split aimed at tightening the tech giant's control over its products, customers, and software developers. Chief Executive Tim Cook said Monday that Apple would begin jettisoning Intel processors from its Macs later this year in favor of more efficient, integrated chips designed by the tech giant Silicon Engineers. The change reflects a turnabout in Silicon Valley since Steve Jobs revealed the Intel partnership in 2005. At the time, Apple was a fraction of Intel's size and counted computers as its largest business. Now it boasts a market value six times larger than its longtime supplier and a semiconductor division that has been designing mobile processors with performance capabilities rivaling Intel's computer chips. During a digital keynote to kick off the tech giant's first virtual conference for developers, Apple said the transition from Intel to its own processors would occur over the next two years, with the first Macs with custom-designed chips shipping by year-end. The company said the chips based on arm-holding technology will improve battery life and allow for faster processing speeds and new security features. The chip transition headlined a day of software updates that included the introduction of a language translation service, features that improve group messaging on iPhones and sleep tracking capabilities for Apple Watch. The new software was part of Apple's annual effort to galvanize the more than 20 million developers designing apps for iPhones, iPads, and Macs, despite holding its annual meeting remotely because of the coronavirus pandemic. Its push carried extra significance this year amid a backlash of some developers frustrated over the company's app store rules and practice of collecting 30% of app sales. The European uh, Union last week opened an antitrust investigation into the app store fees, which Apple has called baseless. Apple's plan to bring its own processors to MacBooks has the potential to open its laptops to more iPhone developers, making it possible for the mobile apps to work more seamlessly on the roughly 20 million Macs it ships each year. It is an ambitious undertaking that will require some software developers to update their applications for the new system. The new chips could make it possible for Apple to bring special features to future Macs, just as it has done to speed imaging processing through machine learning algorithms on its iPhones. It can also integrate 5G modem chips in the future, helping unlock new sales of a Mac business that was Apple's third largest unit with nearly $26 billion in sales last year. The plan fits into Apple's broader strategy of replacing many third-party chips with components designed in-house. The technology giant now makes about 42% of the core components in iPhones, 
according to Wayne Lamb, an independent technology analyst, up from 8% less than five years ago. Custom chips on the iPhone and iPad have cut costs, boosted performance, and increased Apple's control over future releases. Now, Intel had run into supply constraints in recent years and had fallen behind schedule on its own technology roadmap. It also charged Apple about $75 to $150 more per chip than it would cost the company to build its own processors for the Mac, according to analysts, who said Apple can pass those savings on to customers or shareholders. Now, would they? Would they pass the savings on or just put it in their pocket? That's a, that's the question. Apple felt limited by Intel because sometimes the products they wanted to launch and the silicon chips Intel had available were out of sync, said Carolina Milanesi, a tech analyst with Creative Strategies. Now they can line up the design of the silicon software and hardware to deliver one thought out product that's better in power and performance. Once the transition fully takes place, Intel stands to lose a major portion of its revenue from Apple, which analysts estimate at roughly $3 billion a year. The split comes a year after Apple struck a deal to buy Intel's modem business for $1 billion and is the latest in a series of recent setbacks, including manufacturing issues and stepped-up competition from Advanced Micro Devices, Inc., Apple will remain an Intel customer using the chipmaker's technology to power servers that handle its cloud computing services, among other area of business. Intel said it would focus on providing chips for PCs, which it believes provides customers with the best experience and developers with the most open platform. The switch might not herald things to come for other PC makers that buy from Intel, however, By and large, they lack the size and expertise to undertake the expensive and time-consuming process of designing their own chips. Analysts at Raymond James said Apple was the only PC manufacturer capable of designing chips in-house. Now, Apple's new chip architecture will include graphics processing units designed in-house as well. AMD currently supplies graphics cards for many Intel-based Macs. And analysts don't expect that to change, at least in the immediate future, for higher-end models. Changing central processing units, or CPUs, is a difficult task that puts new burdens on the developers designing software for Macs. Chips speak different languages, called instruction sets, and software that runs on an Intel chip will need to be retooled to work on Apple's ARM-based chips. Apple managed that transition smoothly in 2005 when it shifted from PowerPC to Intel processors. It had been secretly building versions of its operating system for Intel chips for five years in anticipation of the move and offered developers a transition kit to manage the change. It is providing a similar trio of tools to help software developers switch to its ARM-based chips, including a Mac Mini available this summer with the new chip, the same A12Z processor currently in iPad Pros. Apple will continue to support and release new versions of its computer operating system for Intel-based Macs for years to come. 
He said Apple designed its new Mac operating system, Mac Operating System Big Sur, to work on the new chips. The system has been redesigned to look more like Apple's mobile operating system and has added functionality to the Safari web browser so it can display how websites track users. In a reversal from years past, the iPhone, still the company's most important product, took a backseat to the Mac. The focus reflected Apple's evolving strategy. As iPhone sales have slowed in recent years, it has looked to deliver growth by emphasizing sales of connected services and accessories, such as its streaming music app and smartwatches. The company said its mobile operating system coming this fall, iOS 14, will include a new app called Translate to provide real-time translation of conversations or texts across 11 languages. Now, <laughs> that would be helpful because I don't know any of you that watch 90 Day Fiance, but they are, those messaging, uh, or those translating apps are uh, very busy because they go and they uh, want to marry somebody from another country, but they cannot communicate because the English-speaking people do not speak that language and the wherever the other person comes from does not speak English so they talk through these translating apps so this will be helpful for them uh, <laughs> I found that funny um, okay going on in the article it also is updating its iMessage system to allow users to pin conversations thread replies and mention people directly in a group text exchange Apple is adding sleep tracking features to its smartwatch operating system, collecting Apple Watch users' overnight movements and breathing to detail the quality of each night's rest. Now, what surprises me about that is Fitbit's had that forever, and I'm surprised that Apple is just now getting around to adding that to their Apple Watch. So, on with the article... To encourage proper hand washing amid the pandemic, the company also said its watches will initiate a 20-second countdown timer when it hears squishing and senses hand washing motion. <laughs> so <laughs> that might be uh, a useless um, thing that they're adding, but uh, who knows? Maybe people actually do count 20 seconds while they're hand washing. I'm not sure. <laughs> so so there you go there is a very in-depth article that was in the wall street journal about how you know all these changes are coming about there was another article in the wall street journal this was um june 23rd 2020 and it's entitled apple's new max how they'll work after ditching intel chips so this is dedicated to the users and the questions they might have as a as to you know what products they have now is it going to affect the products they have now are they going to have to go out and get new products after they make the change this article was written by nicole nagayan so let's uh go ahead apple inc on monday announced a shift from intel-based processors to its custom Design chips for future Mac computers, a move that will have major repercussions for Mac users. The company said new computers running Apple Silicon will see gains in battery life and performance because of the lighter integration between hardware and software. 
Meanwhile, the company will phase out machines running Intel-based processors. The transition is similar to one back in 2000, well, they say 2006, it was actually 2005, when Apple switched its Mac chips from PowerPC to Intel. So, what you need to know, what's the timeline? The first commercially available Mac with the Apple chipset will ship by the end of this year, said Apple Chief Executive Tim Cook. You can expect all new MacBook laptops and Mac desktop computers to run on the new processors within two years, he said. Apple Monday's news recalled a 2005 move away from the PowerPC chips to those made by Intel. Developers can start building and testing their apps for the coming computers by applying for the Developer Transition Kit. This includes a Mac Mini running Apple's A12Z Bionic processor, currently found in the latest iPad Pro models. Next question, when will my Intel-based Mac become obsolete? It's unclear, but it won't be soon. Mr. Cook said that new Intel-based Macs are in the pipeline alongside the new Apple chip Macs. He also said Apple will continue to support and release new versions of the Mac operating system for Intel-based computers for years to come. Apple pulled support for PowerPC only three years after announcing plans to use Intel chips in 2005. When when the um, writer spoke with Steve Baker, the primary hardware analyst at NPD Group, a tech industry research firm, he said this transition would likely last longer because Apple has greater market share now. Once Apple stops releasing Intel-compatible Mac operating system updates, your old Mac won't just become an expensive paperweight overnight. You'll still be able to use your computer, but you might not be able to update to the newest, latest operating system. Even if you brought, or even if you bought one of those six-month-old $10,000 and up Mac Pro machines, <laughs> it's probably good to be more cautious about buying an Intel-based Mac at this point, since the coming generations of Macs will likely be more future-proof. All right, so you got a little bit of time if you have, you know, Intel-based Mac, but you know, it's like uh, when we transition from Windows 7 to Windows 10 or any of the Windows, uh, they would say, okay, we're putting a halt in supporting any updates or anything like that on this certain day. So you're going to have to go to this new uh, program or this actually this new machine in this point at some time in the future. So they just say, if you're looking for a new Mac, you probably don't want to buy any Intel processing Macs right now. Maybe wait for the new one to come out. All right. So next question, how will the new chips affect performance or battery life? And we've answered this question before. The aim of the move is to infuse a higher level of performance in computers while consuming less power. Um, uh, The iPhone and the iPads are examples of the company's success in transitioning to its own silicon, boasting that the iPhone has run on Apple chips since 2010 and the CPU performance has improved 100 times over 10 years. 
By making its own chips, Apple has more control over power management for battery life as well as the computer's processing capabilities and security features. Of course, um, <clears throat> Wall Street Journal says we haven't tested any of this for ourselves and some performance depends on third-party software. The next question is, what software software will be available for the new Apple powered Macs? Let's say, okay, so here's the answer. Apple was strategic in its demo during the keynote, showing apps from two sometimes rival software giants running smoothly on a Mac powered with the iPad Pro's A12Z silicon. They showed off Microsoft Corporation's PowerPoint software rendering a 3D animation of multiple slides. The same computer also smoothly ran a 5 gigabyte file with many layers on Adobe's Photoshop as well as three simultaneous uh, 4K videos playing back in Apple's own Final Cut Pro application. We'll have to wait and see what other software makers are supporting the new processor, but the company is also providing software that makes it possible to port an Intel-optimized app over in a matter of days. Hmm, that makes it handy, yeah? All right, next question. Can I use old apps on the new processor? The latest version of Mac operating system Big Sur, also announced Monday, uh, includes Rosetta 2, which automatically makes existing apps work with the new processor architecture. So the Rosetta 2 will be able to port over pro apps and plugins. They're translated when you install the apps, and the Apple said the uh, and Apple said the experience is transparent to users. And now the big question: Can I finally use my iOS apps on my Mac? Yes, Apple's new Macs will run on the same processor architecture as iPad, iPhone, and Apple Watch. So you can run iOS apps like the game Monument Valley, Guitar Tutor Fender Play, or the Calm Meditation app, which was shown during the keynote, natively in what Apple calls a virtual environment. The iOS apps will be downloadable through the Mac App Store. Apple Macs running on Apple's own chips will run apps designed for iPads and iPhones, the company said. All right, so... There you go. There is the Wall Street Journal's takes on the big announce Apple's announcements at the Worldwide Developers Conference uh, about all of the changes that are going to occur to the Apple products. Now, of course, uh, if we deal with anything technical on the show, we have to hear from Theo Joe, and we'll get his take on. Uh, what happened at the conference or what his take was um, as far as the announcements. And his video is entitled Apple's Biggest Announcements at the WWDC Without the Boring Stuff. So let's take a listen to what the Joe has to say. How's it going, guys? I'm Theo 
just Theo today, and today we're going to be talking about that Apple keynote that they had at WWDC, that's Apple Developer Conference. They usually have a big keynote that's like two hours long where they make a whole bunch of announcements, usually having to do with iOS and lots of other stuff that they talked about. So we're going to condense that two-hour keynote, which actually was not too bad, into all just the very interesting stuff into a very short video that you can watch right now. So let's start off with iOS 14, which got its name because it comes after 13. And there's actually quite a few changes that are pretty significant. So let's go through these that I think are the best. First of all, possibly the biggest change, you probably have already heard of this, is iOS is getting widgets on the home screen. This has already been a thing for years on Android and iOS is finally getting it. So you can have things like multiple clocks from different time zones, maps, weather, and you can actually choose from different sizes if the developer of a specific app allows those. And how it works is the widgets will show up in the today view on the left hand side, I guess, kind of where the widgets are now, but they'll just be able to now be dragged onto the main home screen and it'll be able to be placed in that grid just like icons and they will be moved out of the way. And one really cool feature is what's called smart stacks, where you'll actually be able to place multiple widgets in the same block and then you can swipe between them. And you'll actually be able to set these so that the smart stack will automatically show at different times of the day or in different contexts. I don't know how you'll be able to customize that, but one example they gave is maybe being able to show the weather app in the morning and then, I don't know, maybe the you could choose the maps app when you're getting ready to commute home. I assume you'll be able to set those times however you want. Another big change is how icons will now be able to be arranged. So as you know now, if you install an app, it goes on the home screen somewhere. You can't hide them anywhere. All your apps are there. Well, that is now changing. You can now hide apps, icons, from the home screen and then they just won't appear. Or you can actually hide entire app pages. And what they'll be replaced by is a app library page where it will show categories of all your apps and all of your apps will be in these different categories, but you can also search for them specifically if you're looking for one. So now you can just keep apps that you basically never use. You can put them on some random page and then hide the page. And then if you do need to get to it, you can search for it, which is so much better. Another feature that is awesome that Android again has had for years is picture in picture video playing. So now if you're watching a video on YouTube or something, you can now have it show, it keeps showing even if you close out the YouTube app and then you're going doing whatever stuff in any other app it'll keep playing the video and you can also move it to the left hand side so it's off screen but it will keep playing the video and you'll still hear the audio and then you can swipe it back on you can also resize the video so it's bigger smaller whatever so this is definitely going to be a welcome feature and this is again been an android for a long time so it's about time siri is also getting some changes for example it's going to be less intrusive so now when you hold down the button to bring up siri it will just show a little icon at the bottom of the screen it doesn't just take up the entire screen anymore I'm assuming unless you actually ask it a question or something. So this is definitely a welcome change. Though I really just hope they improve Siri's intelligence overall because right now Siri is still basically the worst virtual assistant. It's the dumbest one. I have so many instances where it will recognize what I'm saying, but then it will just completely do the wrong thing. I post on Twitter one example where I asked Siri to remind me at 8.35 the video is released and it actually interpreted me completely correctly, but the reminder it created was 35, the video was released, and it didn't even set a time for it. I'm like, are you kidding me? What is this garbage? So hopefully they actually fix Siri and actually allow it to catch up with all the other assistants 
it's so stupid that Siri was the first one to come along and it's the worst. But enough ranting about Siri. Anyway, another feature in terms of being less intrusive is now phone calls in iOS 14 will not just take up the entire screen, it'll just show at the top who's calling, you can accept or decline the call from up there. So that's pretty cool as well. Moving on to messages, there's lots of new features here. First, you'll now be able to pin conversations to the top of the messages, which makes complete sense. I'm surprised that wasn't a feature already. Also for group messages, group chats, lots of new features here. For example, you'll be able to do inline replies. So if you have a group chat with lots of people in it, or even not so much, but you know, there's multiple conversations going on, you'll actually be able to reply and create a mini thread within the group chat so you can reply to a specific one and people will know which one you're responding to. You'll also be able to mention people specifically, which will be helpful if you have a bunch of people and you just want to talk to one specific person, you'll now be able to mention them and then they'll get a notification that they were mentioned. And I believe you'll also be able to set it so it will only notify you if you do get mentioned if you want that way. And another basic feature is you'll be able to set a custom group photo for group conversations, which is nice. Now, the next feature is one that I was not expecting at all, and it's actually gonna be available in iOS 13 as well, and that is the ability to unlock your car with your iPhone, if the car supports it, of course. Now, they said right now the first car it'll be available for is the 2021 BMW 5 Series, so obviously if you have a car right now, it's not gonna work with that, but basically it'll use NFC to unlock the car, so you bring it up or whatever on your phone, and it'll unlock the car, and also the key will be stored in the secure element. So this is the same place where your face data, your fingerprint data is stored, so it's not gonna be able to be stolen or anything. Though you will be able to remotely disable the key through iCloud if you want. Another really cool feature is the ability to share the key temporarily or permanently with someone else. So you can send the permission to someone else's phone and then they'll receive a key and then they'll be able to either have restricted access, which I don't really know what that means, or full access so they can drive it fully. So it could potentially, I don't know, if you have a teen driver, you might be able to even set it so they have a maximum speed limit, something like that. Could be pretty interesting to see how this plays out. All right, the final feature we can talk about with iOS 14 has to do with the App Store. Specifically, there's a new feature called App Clips, which is basically like the ability for a developer to create small portions of an app that someone can access very quickly if they're in a situation where they don't wanna download the entire app, but they still might need the app to access some service. One example they gave is those scooters, those electric scooters you might see around your town. You don't wanna to have to download the entire app just to be able to use the scooter. You can now scan using either a QR code or an F NFC chip. You can scan on the scooter. It'll just download less than 10 megabytes the portion of the app that's required to basically register the scooter and pay for it, and then it won't install the app fully, so it won't be on your home screen unless you choose to download the full app. So I could definitely see this being useful. It seems like a lot of different restaurants and stuff these days have their own app and you don't have to download every single one. Now you can just download the app clip and use it when you're in the restaurant and that's it. All right, now onto AirPods software features. This is actually pretty cool. Your AirPods will now be able to automatically switch between devices when you're using them if you have them paired to two devices. So this is definitely gonna be useful to me. I have my AirPods paired to both my iPad and my iPhone. Sometimes I wanna switch between them and then you have to open it up and take out the thing and make sure it pops up and then hold down so it selects the AirPod, it's a pain. Now it'll apparently just automatically switch to whatever device you're using. Another feature is spatial audio. So basically 3D audio kind of thing, where basically, I don't know if this is only gonna be available in AirPods Pro, but at least in the AirPods Pro, they have accelerometers. So it will actually be able to detect 
where your head is turning and keep the spatial audio position the same. So if something is happening in front of you and you turn your head, it'll now sound like it's happening to the side of you where the screen is. So that's really cool and I'm looking forward to that if they are able to implement that on regular AirPods, I don't have the pros yet. All right, now on to watch OS, couple features we can mention here. First of all, there's better customization of watch faces. You can now apparently fully customize what you want to have on watch faces and you'll have more complications you can actually download from the app store. And more importantly, you can now use what's called face sharing to actually share or download pre-made watch faces other people have created. So you can get it from the internet. So this is really cool. And also watchOS will now be getting a built-in sleep tracking app, which is pretty cool. All right, next up, Apple talked about some new privacy features they're including across their whole ecosystem. So for example, for certain apps where the developer will support it, if you already have an existing account, you'll be able to now possibly upgrade that account to a sign in with Apple account. So this is one less password you'll have to remember. So that's really nice if you just want to, you just use Apple to sign in for most things that you don't really care about instead of having one more account that you have to worry about. Another really awesome feature they're introducing for location data privacy is now you'll have the option when sharing your location data for an app to only share your approximate location, which is awesome because there's lots of apps where for some reason it requires you to share your location and you don't want to give them exactly where it is. If it just needs to know like the weather or something, now you'll be able to just share your approximate location, like your city, and then it won't be able to know exactly where you are. Another cool feature is iOS will now be able to identify and tell you when an app is using your microphone and camera if you weren't aware of it, which is awesome because a lot of times, you know, there's that whole controversy of is Facebook or this app always listening? Now you'll be able to know. There's also apparently gonna be a new tracking control option in apps. So you'll be able to choose whether or not you want it to be able to track your personal information and track your usage of the app, or you can just reject it outright if you want. And also Apple is going to be requiring apps now to have a easy to read privacy policy, which will be displayed on the app download page or potentially in the app. So now you'll be able to see exactly what the app is doing, whether it's tracking data or it has to use your camera, your location data, stuff like that. You'll be able to see right away without having to go through some mess of a privacy policy that's just as long as possible, hoping you don't read it. All right, so now we're done with the iOS stuff. We can talk about the Mac stuff. And there's actually some interesting stuff here. First of all, Mac is getting a new version. The newest version is called Big Sur. I mean, honestly, this is the dumbest name for an operating system I could possibly imagine. It sounds so stupid. And yes, I understand it's the name of a coastline in California, but honestly, it's the dumbest thing. It's like large man. Why don't they call it that? I mean, that's what you think of Big Sur. It's, I don't even know what this is. Anyway, they're introducing a bunch of new design elements. So there's gonna be transparency and stuff. Oh, it looks very nice, very cool. Uh, one major change, they're gonna be adding a control center, the top right. So similar to iOS, you'll be able to swipe down from there or whatever, bring it up. And you'll be able to change the brightness, the sound. So that's pretty cool right having all the stuff right there also here's a big thing safari is now getting extensions or at least more extensions and it's apparently getting some kind of new api where developers will be able to easily bring over any extensions that exist on other browsers like chrome or firefox and now easily port it onto safari and you'll actually be able to control a lot more about how these extensions work so on Chrome, for example, you just give it permission. It can read what's on every single site. With Safari, you'll be able to choose exactly, specifically which sites you only want it to be able to access on. So that's a lot better in terms of privacy if you don't want it stealing all your data everywhere. And finally, this is big news for Apple in general. They announced 
that Macs are now, or at least in the future, going to be switching to Apple's own silicon processors. So they're not gonna be using Intel anymore. They're gonna be developing their own ARM chips. So this is basically like what they already do for iPhones with like the A13 Bionic, stuff like that. They're not gonna be using it on Macs going forward, or at least starting after a transition period of two years. So they said the first Macs that will be using Apple's own CPUs will be by the end of the year, but over the course of two years, they're gonna be phasing out Intel, and they are still making a couple new Macs in that time frame, they will be using Intel and they said they're very excited about those. So they're not just giving up an Intel right away, obviously they're gonna be transitioning it. So very cool stuff in my opinion. If you're not an iOS or a Mac user, obviously you probably don't care about any of this stuff, but I thought it was actually a really good keynote where they didn't have very much fluff in there. They really did just kind of announce a bunch of new stuff back to back. So anyway, if you guys wanna keep watching, the next video I'd recommend is where I did a review of the new iPhone SE. All right, so that was Theo Joe with his uh, audio from video entitled Apple's Biggest Announcements at the WWDC Without the Boring Stuff. And apparently he does not care for the name Big Sur for Mac's new operating system. So, all right, so we were talking about, well, is your Mac going to be obsolete, you know, after all these chip changes and um there was an article in the wall street journal and that came out uh, june 22nd it's entitled gadgets should have expiration dates economic slumps and technological upheavals can turn beloved gadgets into expensive paperweights welcome to the internet of things that suddenly stop working. This article was written by Nicole Nagayan. And she talks about all the appliances that if uh, internet provide, you know, that work on the internet. And if the people who provide the software suddenly, you know, go out of business or, you know, uh, decide that uh, they don't want to, or they sell that particular part of their business to somebody else and they don't want to continue. What happens to the hardware that, you know, was provided by that? So this is what the article is talking about. Uh, appliances built to last are of a bygone era. Uh, my decades old record player is still functioning. After surviving three moves, several music distribution platforms, and many bad music phases. Today's gadgets, meanwhile, can quickly become expensive paperweights. There's a trade-off with connected devices. They're incredibly useful when they work, although annoying when they pause for a software update. And lately, it's become clear that a business deal tech breakthrough or pandemic-induced economic slump can mean sudden digital death. Flywheel's $2,000 Fly Anywhere stationary bikes, for instance, stopped working in March after the company settled a legal dispute with Peloton over technology theft. And shortly after Google acquired Nest, the smart home device maker killed the $300 Revolve Hub, a leftover from a company it had previously acquired. It didn't provide customers with a replacement. The Hub and its app went completely dark, and the company voided its product's warranties. 
PetNet's $140 smart feeder stopped dispensing pet meals for nearly two months after its internet service provider suffered pandemic-related financial losses. Now, in this same article, they tell a story about this guy who used the PetNet service, and he didn't even know that they had cut it off. So the, the pet feeders weren't being filled up. And so his cats were loudly complaining at him one day, and he thought it odd, right, because they don't usually make any noise, uh, you know, but why were they meowing at him? And he went, I guess, to check to see if they had food, and there was no food in the um, pet dispenser. And he was very relieved that he didn't go on vacation. I mean, what if this had happened when he went on vacation expecting this pet dispenser to keep dispensing food and all of a sudden it just went dark and they didn't even tell anybody that they were planning on doing this. So that could have been a messy situation if the cats were not getting fed while he was on vacation. He said he doesn't even pay attention to it except on occasion to fill it back up again uh, so that it could keep dispensing, right? So if he d- he doesn't pay attention for it for like three days, he didn't know it was not doing anything. It was not feeding the cats. So <laughs> I tell you, that's not good to rely, I guess, on connected devices if, if, if it means that your pets are going to go hungry, right? So the purchasers of these products weren't given warnings that their products might in a few years cease to function. Many would likely have chosen not to buy. Most hardware, like the laptop or phone you're reading this column on, requires a one-time payment from you. For manufacturers, the cost of that tech can continue for years after you make that purchase. Maintaining servers, customer service, and firmware updates are a must for most hardware companies. Device makers can run out of money incurring those costs, especially if you aren't paying a regular service fee or spending money with the company to offset any losses. PetNet wasn't the only company that suffered during the pandemic. Automatic, which makes a connected car adapter, sunsetted its operations on May 28th. The COVID-19 pandemic has adversely impacted our business, explained the company's website. The company released the $130 Automatic Pro in 2016. It came with five years of 3G cellular service or real-time location tracking, along with a crash notification service, check engine light decoder, and driving statistics. Another case in point, Belkin Wemo Netcam, security cameras, which launched in 2013, will be decommissioned in June 30th, or on June 30th. Only a small number of users signed up for Belkin's $10 a month premium cloud service, while the rest relied on the free tier, which included motion-based email notification and mobile access to the camera's live feed. In this case, the back-end video partner changed hands and its new owner decided not to continue providing the service. Belkin offered refunds to customers who purchased devices after April 1, 2018. Now, another alternative for smaller tech companies, they can turn to the tech giants for help, 
For example, all the video from Logitech's $160 CircleView security camera runs on Apple's home app and iCloud, freeing Logitech of the burden of hosting. There is still a monthly cost for the customer. Apple requires at minimum a $3 a month iCloud storage plan to use the camera. Now, the camera recordings don't count against your storage limit, however. So, similarly, for hardware manufacturers, there's no charge to integrate Amazon's Alexa voice service into their connected devices. Companies can also leverage Google's voice-activated assistant services and Android TV entertainment system instead of having to develop and maintain their own. Of course, this model advances the consolidation of big tech's power, but that's another issue entirely. And even the tech giants won't support every product forever. Apple is expected to shift from the Intel processors to its own custom-designed ARM chips for its Mac computers soon. Apple declined to provide comment on the coming change. Eventually, the company would drop Mac operating system support for the current Intel-based machines. So, you know, that's the cost of the pace of technology today, you know. That some things come and some things go. The vinyl record has gone mostly unchanged for over 50 years, and my record player has never required a firmware update. All of our newer gadgets will likely be obsolete within three, four, or five years, depending on the abilities and willingness of the companies that make them. We pay for new gear, gumming up landfills with our retired defunct cyber curios when we fail to recycle them properly. But there is an upside, a free software update, like the one expected to be announced Monday at Apple's annual developer conference, can make your old phone feel brand new again, until Apple stops supporting it anyway. So, yeah, I mean, that's what's going on. I mean, I think we saw a little of this with computers over the years, right? The computer you know, you bought was obviously two or three years later because it wasn't fast enough or had an old Windows version on it. Um, but if you didn't replace it because of those reasons, you could still use the old computers for some functions. If you were using Word document, you could still make your Word documents on it. Or if you played games on it, you could probably still play your games on it, right? So, um, you know, but with the above examples, once the connectivity to the software is gone, the item is just useless and you don't have any recourse you know, and another product that comes to mind that could fall under this category is the robo vacuums, right? They they rely on the connectivity to map out where you're vacuuming and all kinds of useful tools. And yet, if that robo company decides to go out of business, then what are you supposed to do with your five hundred dollar? Robo vacuum, it doesn't work anymore, right? So that is the our show for today, and uh, so I hope it was useful and knowledgeable. And if you have any comments on anything that you heard today, you can email me at consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report. And Twitter at CRR in Mickey Sport. So, with that being said, this is the Consumer Review Report on WMCK.FM Internet Radio. 
a service of Tube City Online, Tube City Community Media, Inc., heard Sunday at 4 p.m., Tuesday at noon, and Thursday at 9 a.m. I'm Diane Rebecca, wishing everyone a safe and good week. <laughs>